And we are back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by Generous United. Generous United. They are a membership-based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic Canada, right here in our own backyard. I love it. Uh, They are dedicated to their mission. What they want to achieve is to make sure that prescription drugs are more affordable so we can all live healthier lives. And we all know right now in the middle of a pandemic, I know we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, just barely. You can almost see a little bit of normalcy coming back. We still want to be making sure that we are living healthy lives. So your pharmacist, the person that is in your community who is dedicated to making sure that you live a healthy life, The Pharmacist and Generous United will team up together to make sure that you are receiving an attentive, personalized service while you save money on your prescription drugs. Head on over to GenerousUnited.ca, that's G-E-N-R-U-S-United.ca, and see if they have any services or drugs that would benefit you, a loved one, family member, same thing. We all need to be living healthier lives right now. I know it. You know it. Generous United, they are going to make sure that happens. Today's episode is also brought to you by Osprey Ridge Golf Course. Golf has taken over the world pretty much in the past couple of months. We all know that. It's no secret, not just here in Nova Scotia, but everywhere. Osprey Ridge will make sure that you have the ultimate golfing experience. A Graham Cook designed course. It is family owned, so you know they take care of it. It is maintained well. I've played a bunch of rounds there already this summer. I had a great time with my buddies. Also, they have a brand new renovated porch, deck, restaurant, whatever you want to call it. Looks out over the golf course, so when you're done your nine holes or your 18 holes, you can sit out on the deck Look at the view, have a beer, maybe two, maybe three. Who am I to tell you how many beer you want to have at the end of your round? Nonetheless, Osprey Ridge is where we will be this summer. We hope to see you there. And like I said, guys, it's family owned. So you know they're taking care of it. You know they're taking pride in their work. Like I said, also, the fairways are beautiful. The greens are at the right pace. And like I said as well, you got to go up on the patio and have a couple beers after, okay? Osprey Ridge, 45 minutes outside of the city. You will enjoy your time there. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Man, what a weekend it was. It was beautiful. I spent a little time out in Bridgewater at the family cottage. Spent a little time here in the city, got a little work done. We all know sports are around the corner, or well, I guess local sports are around the corner um, with hockey coming back and uh, and other sports coming back too, soccer, lacrosse. Um, it's just been uh, it's, it's it's been a great week knowing that uh, there's a line of communication with us here at High Button Sports and uh, local, I guess you could say, lo- local sports organizations and teams. It's a, it's a lot of fun, kind of getting the ball rolling a little slowly. You know, I'm not saying the ball is rolling fully, but the ball is rolling slowly and uh, hopefully surely. So by the time September, even August rolls around, things will be, you know, a little bit of normalcy. That's all I'm hoping for. Uh, today on the High Button Podcast, the, the, episodes like this, this is why you get into the business um, for episodes like this. Justin and Morgan Barron, two professional hockey players coming out of Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia. We actually went to the same high school uh, growing up, same neighborhood, obviously same, we're different age groups, uh, Justin and, and Morgan and myself. 
Um, but they actually played hockey with my brother, so I knew about them uh, when they were younger and uh, and their skill set. And to see where they are now, it's it's no surprise. Uh, if you've been living under a rock for the past couple of years, I'll give you a little information about the brothers. So Justin, he was the captain for the Halifax Mooseheads last year, uh, and he was actually playing with the Mooseheads since, excuse me, 2017. He was on the World Junior Canadian Hockey Team this year. I know they came up a little bit short, but just to be on that team and to be one of the top two, top three defensemen on that team what what more do you want you know what i'm saying uh he was also drafted by the colorado avalanche in the first round this year 2020 25th overall and i'm pretty sure you guys heard the story about nate talking about how he he really wanted justin Barron on the colorado avalanche and how he called joe sackick and he said hey if, if Barron's still available 25th overall draft him and that's pretty much what happened so uh, an exciting year for Justin I'm excited to talk to him and his brother Morgan Morgan had a huge year as well playing his first couple or not couple he played five games this year with the New York Rangers uh, in the NHL and when he wasn't in the NHL he was in the AHL with the New York Rangers affiliate team Hartford Wolfpack and he was a point per game guy 21 games played 10 goals, 11 assists, 1, 2, do the math for 20, yeah, yeah. that's 21 points in 21 games, so an impressive uh, year for Morgan as well, uh, and before he was in the New York Rangers organization, he was at Cornell University, he was actually the captain of the team last year, and he's been with that organization uh, and Cornell for the past three years. So yeah, he was there 2019-20, 2018-19, and 2017-18 season. So yeah, three years at Cornell University. He's actually been on the show before, I think two years now. And a big topic of that conversation was obviously playing in the NHL one day. And now that he's finally, uh, now that he's finally there and he, he's, you know, he finished the year with the New York Rangers. He's a, he's an NHL guy. And I'm sure he's looking to next year continue from that momentum that he had this year to be a full-time NHL guy next year. So I'm excited to talk to these two guys. And I'm sure these two guys are just full of excitement as well. Why wouldn't you be? Justin very well could be on Colorado next year. He had a great, great season, or I guess he could not even season, but he had a great stint with the Colorado Eagles and the AHL, uh, getting his actually first career goal, seven goals, one assist, or sorry, seven seven games played, one goal, uh, three assists, four points with Colorado. Uh, just a great year for Justin. Morgan as well. It's going to be a great episode. Like I said, these are the episodes that you get into this business for. I'm excited. All right, I'm Justin. We're talking to Justin. We're also talking to Morgan. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate this. Right, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm, uh, us. I'm excited about this one. This has been, I know we had you on, Morgan, uh, what was it, like two years ago? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Sounds right. And then, Justin, you being here in our backyard for the past, I don't know, four years you were playing with the Mooseheads? Yeah. yeah it's just, it's, it's awesome to have both you guys here at the same time. So, like I said, I appreciate your time and you guys coming in. I'm pumped for this. Of course. <laughs> What an exciting year for both of you, you know, uh, you know, playing it for New York for the first time, being drafted, signing, World Juniors, everything. I know you guys are brothers, so obviously you guys keep in touch with one another. You guys just, I don't know, was there a little competitive nature between you two to top one another, or how was the conversation between you two throughout the year? I, I don't know if there's anything to, like, top each other, uh, but just definitely fun keeping tabs on him, like uh, especially in a weird year with COVID and everything going on. There wasn't a whole lot we could do. Yeah, um, it's a little closer to the like, mic. Sorry. sorry, yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah. In terms of uh, like going out to dinner, 
um, anything like that. So I had a lot more time on my hands than I was used to, especially being done with school now. So I was oh, yeah. able to watch a ton of his games when he was in Halifax. And then, um, were you here? Or are you no, just watching online? No, I was just watching online. Okay. But um, I was able to stream all of them. And then for World Juniors, obviously, get to watch some of those games, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, when he got brought up to play with the Eagles, I mean, that was cool, too. It was kind of in the same league as me, although there's no crossover because <laughs> of the weird divisions. But, yeah, um, yeah, I definitely spent a lot of my time watching him play, which was neat. What was it like for you this year, Justin? Just a whirlwind of a year. Like, you're playing hockey, you're not playing hockey. Then all of a sudden, World Juniors are happening. Then the draft. Then you're signing. You're, you're just everywhere. What, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was obviously a lot of fun, uh, a lot of quarantines, but um, oh, that yeah, you know, looking back, the World Juniors was awesome. The, I mean, it would have been nice to have fans, but the whole bubble experience, they did a really good job there. And um, yeah, it was still pretty special and an incredible experience. And then, um, yeah, coming back to Halifax, finishing my last year junior with the Mooseheads, um, and then getting to go to Colorado, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty fun up there. And um, yeah, I think it'll be good for me to get a little taste of that league before training camp next year. How did you feel going in? How many games did you play? Seven with Colorado? Uh, I got nine games. Nine games. So how did you feel? Like, I, I'm like, For example, like I'm watching Caulfield right now, and you notice from that first game to where he is now, the comfortability level as he's going, going, going. Do you feel with each and every game you're just getting more comfortable and comfortable? Yeah, 100%. Um, the first few games especially, you know, you're playing against bigger, stronger guys. Um, you know, the pace of play is definitely faster and a little bit different coming from junior where I was playing against, you know, 16, 17 year olds. And now I got 28 year olds yeah. on my team and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the coaches there were great. Um, you know, the, the guys really helped me out, especially the, the D partners that I was playing with. And, um, yeah, they made the transition a lot easier for me. Any advice that you gave to him for that first year going into the A? I don't know, just anything about just how to carry yourself, like play the game, anything like that? Uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, my big thing for him was probably just go out and play with confidence. Like, we've, we've played hockey for so long, and especially him watching him in the queue, like you could tell, I think, for me that um, he was ready to go to the next level. Yeah. Um, but so many guys just get caught up and. Uh, like you said, everybody's older and bigger sometimes, and it, it can be a little bit of a rough transition if you don't have confidence in yourself. Yeah. Um, but like I said, just watching him play in the queue and knowing enough guys now who have made the transition, and I think I knew his game would translate real well if, if he went out there and played well, um, and he did. And, you know, he had the puck on his stick a lot, and <laughs> I know that first game watching, like so much ice time for him out there to just just get brought up and thrown into the lineup like you're – there's no easing, easing into that league, especially for someone like the the first round picks like him. You yeah. you can tell when they get up the the teams want them to develop and get a bunch of ice time. So he was uh, thrown right in with the wolves, but he did a great job with it. So. Is there any chirps at all on the ice being the first round guy when you're in the A? Like anything like that? Does the boys coming at you a bit harder? Uh, no, not really too much. I mean, I think with this year there were so many like 18 and 19 year olds up and down between the AHL and then the guys coming back to the Q and going back to the WHL and that kind of thing. So. I don't know. I didn't really hear too much, but it was fun. I got to play against like uh, uh, Bo Grew there. He was in San Diego. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I got to play. Got to see him, and um, got to see some familiar faces out there. That must have been an exciting road trip. I know you got your first goal out in L.A. against the the team. What are they called? The Region? Uh, the Re Ontario Rain. Ontario Rain. That must have been a sick experience. Just going out to L.A. first of all to play, and then getting the first goal. That's an exciting feeling. Yeah, it was a it was a crazy game too. It was back and forth the whole game i think it was like going to the third it was um i think three three or something like that it finished six five so That's it was awesome. uh yeah it was an exciting game and it was a it was a fun one to get my first goal yeah for sure and then first goal as well right yeah. over here <laughs> talk about that yeah it was How? also a crazy game uh that was the day uh 
they cleaned house and got rid of i think they i think it was the same day they fired the general manager and the president so that happened like during my pregame nap and i wasn't on twitter or anything so i had no idea i just showed up to the rink and there's just really weird like ambiance um and i was trying to figure out what was going on and eventually someone was like oh you didn't hear the news did you and i was like no like what's going on they're like yeah new general manager and and uh president so that was a little bit different and then the game before was the whole thing with wilson yeah yeah so we knew yeah. there was going to be some fights and it was going to get chippy pretty quick so uh that was yeah i've never been a part of anything like that but it was definitely a fun experience to be through it and then yeah i mean to get to get the goal was a nice little weight off my back i mean i would have liked it to come maybe like 10 15 minutes earlier because <laughs> it's like it's like 50 seconds left in the game or something and we were already down three goals and then i made it a two goal lead so game was pretty much over but um still yeah nice nice to get it off um kind of get the monkey off my back and you know, i don't have to worry about it for the next few games just yeah. go out and play and um but the whole game itself was just crazy it was a lot of fun to be a part of just to be chucked in the fire during that whole wilson inc- incident that's kind of fun yeah like, i remember at the times like when i'm playing games and it's a little slow a little you know you're not really into it but to mm-hmm. be chucked into a situation like that it's kind of fun and challenging at the same time yeah no i was definitely excited to be a part of it even though um you know we didn't win the game or anything you could still really feel like the team kind of growing a little bit closer together just seeing guys stand up for each other yeah uh the way they did and only being there i think i was that was my third game so i was probably only there for like four or five days but you could really just tell the guys were excited to stand up for each other and willing to do it and um you know especially smitty going in there and, and fighting wilson he's a big boy so yeah um he stood his ground and did real well and everyone was real pumped for him and, and everybody else so it was uh it was a pretty cool experience um both of you guys were captains on your respective team in Cornell and Halifax and you know a, a leadership ability is is it's I don't know I don't think it's in everybody some people think you can uh, be a leader some people think you can be taught some people think you're born with it but both of you guys being leaders on your respective uh, NCAA and junior teams what are some leadership qualities that you guys like to I don't know I guess put within uh, your organizations or the team you guys can pick who goes first yeah, I think for me, um, especially my first year with the Mooseheads and second year actually, but we we had a lot older, uh, lot older teams. So um, you know, my first year we had Max Forche as our captain. The second year there, Moran. Yeah. We were bringing in all these guys because we were going on runs there, and um, yeah, I just had a ton of good light, good guys to learn from. And um, yeah, I think for me it was, I was always just kind of the type to just kind of lead uh, by example with my work ethic and. Um, you know, my play on my, my play on the ice. Um, and then over time, I think from a lot of those guys that I play with in junior, you kind of learn how to be more of a vocal leader. Um, so I've definitely tried to, you know, bring that aspect into, into my personality. But, um, yeah, like I said, just thankful for all those guys. They played a huge part in, you know, me developing as a leader. It's nice to be on the same junior team from when you started to when you finished too. So you're with the same organization, same management, and the new kids coming in, you're able to lead and guide. You're not afraid to like speak up and be like, you know, this is how we do things here. This is how we do it's, That's a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Comfortable. Yeah. What about you, Morgan? Uh, my biggest thing would probably just when you're voted into one of those positions or you're, you're given uh, the opportunity to be a leader or a captain or whatever it may be, is just to kind of be yourself. I think that was some advice I got in prep school from my coach and um but, you know at school we we voted on our captains every year and I was nice. same kind of thing as him like I was really lucky I played for some great leaders but um when I got voted into that position I kind of just wanted to stay true to myself and you know you realize you get voted into that position for a reason and it's not something that you need to go in and all of a sudden now I'm a captain now I have to learn how to lead and I need to start doing things differently yeah I think you get into that position um because you're a good leader even when you're younger uh like one of my freshmen and sophomore year and 
and such. So I just wanted to kind of stay true and, and keep being myself because that was why I was uh, put into that position. And I think I did a pretty good job of that. I mean, same as Justin, I, I'm not someone who's going to go in the dressing room and just start screaming at guys and cussing <laughs> guys. At, like, that's not really the type of leader I am. I'm not super, super vocal, but yeah. um, it was definitely something I, I kind of worked on a little bit and realized, and there's, there's definitely times to, to help just pick guys up a little bit and, and get things going. But, um, yeah, I just tried to stay true to my natural leadership style that and I think similar to him too. Like, I go out there and lead by example and just work hard. And usually, um, you know, if you're on a good team and, and guys know what they're doing, they'll follow. I remember watching you, Justin, when you were on the point on the power play when you were first year. I was living in Vancouver, and I came back at Christmas, and I went just to watch a game, and you were running the point on the power play, and you were in your first year, and my dad was telling me who you were and where you grew up and all that stuff. I was like, wow, the the, the, the calmness of this guy being able to run the power play on the point. You were 16, I think, at the time. Unbelievable. I was impressed. Just incredible. And when I always think of a, a, a guy in a situation like that where you're one of the youngest guys on the team, but you're on the point running the power play. So obviously the coaching staff trusts you and things like that. But being able to, I don't know, I guess just being able to fulfill that role and not get too ahead of yourselves and be able to do it for the next four years in Halifax. I think that's a, a great quality in a person because sometimes some, you know, 16 year old can get a little, you know, you're in your head a little bit too much, you know, I'm all that in a bag of chips, but for yourself to like stay humble and stay who you are and true to yourself and run a power play and do it for the next four years, go to the world juniors, get drafted first round. I think that's awesome. And that's a characteristic. I think that's rare in today's society, especially at that age. I love talking to like young junior guys who are 16, 17 and to have like that, composure i think that's wicked so the question following that statement is i guess just about your upbringing and, and your parents and some of the things that they they distilled in you guys because whenever your name gets brought up in the hrm you guys are in the hockey community it's great kids great guy morgan's a little tall but other than that it's a great guys that, that's all i hear about so i guess just talk about your upbringing and some of the things that your parents distilled in you did i use that word correctly Sistill? Sis. What's the word I should be using? You said it with enough confidence. I, I said it with confidence. Yeah. Yeah, that's all that matters. There you go. So, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, I think our parents, are they were awesome for us. Um, you know, I think the big thing they stressed was, um, you know, always treat people how you want to be treated. Um, treat them with respect. And, um, yeah, I think just growing up, they instilled really good values in us. I know they always, um, you know, really emphasized school, especially even in our early days over hockey. They always, uh, yeah, they want us to get an education. Obviously, he's got his already from Cornell, and I'm still working on mine from St. Hey, Mary's. You got but... that Rockingham education. You're good to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, no, they were awesome. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to live at home here the last few years, and, um, yeah, they definitely uh, definitely played a big part in all my success. What about you? Yeah, I mean, they've donated so much time and so much money to our careers that I think looking back on it now, um, that now I'm making a little bit of money, you realize like it's it's freaking expensive to just to live and to eat. But um, I, like the amount of money that they've put into us to just not only help us develop and get to the point where we are, but um, just to let us do the things that we love to do. I know, still remember dad building the backyard rinks and mom waking up at freaking six in the morning to take <laughs> us to practice and stuff. I mean, they've they've donated so much, um, just so much to us, and I know we're both very grateful for that. And I know you just see so many different parents in the hockey world who, um, you know, some of them don't want to push their kids hard enough and some might push the kids too hard. But, yeah. um, especially around Peewee and, um, Bantam, I think that's when my dad really figured out, like, you know, he doesn't need to be too hard on us cause we're, we're pretty hard on ourselves. And, um, 
I remember getting in the car and one day he would always, and it still is like this uh, for me after my games, but the first thing he always says is like, hey, bud, like, how do you think the game went? How'd you do? What'd you, what'd you feel out there? And yeah. he kind of lets me answer for myself before he starts, Love you know, that. yeah, starts throwing things at me. And, um, you know, to me, I think that made me realize like we're almost always on the same page. Like if, he, if he's watching one of my games and I think I played poorly, um, he lets me say it first and then he almost, you were, he agrees with me the majority yeah. of the time. And if not, we kind of hash out and talk about it. But just having someone like that who I can kind of bounce ideas off of and um, and really, you know, just hash things out with them, I think is good. And then having mom there, mom's always a little bit more positive, no matter whether it's good <laughs> or bad. I think all moms are. It's yeah, all right. I mean, I could go out there and just put up a stinker, and she'd be like, "Oh, great game, sweetie. I thought you looked great out there." So. Um, they're so good and just so supportive all the way up that's awesome talk about milking it in halifax for the past your whole career and now you're off to colorado like playing at home you got to experience the the president's or president's cup memorial cup here president's cup too i guess yeah. just talk about like even the halifax max days just it's almost the ideal junior major midget career going through everything and then even getting drafted to colorado where there's tons of guys from the maritimes there talk about i don't want to say luck but just talk about circumstances coming together just being able to sleep in your own bed for the past whatever years you know yeah no i feel extremely fortunate to have played for the Mooseheads. um you know draft day was pretty crazy back in 2017 they traded uh i think they made a trade with moncton for the 13th pick and then they picked me and you know after that it was kind of a blur but um yeah i mean i got to keep keep all my same friends here i grew up with um, you know, go to my normal high school and then leave at two o'clock and go to the rink and play for the Mooseheads. Like it really doesn't get any better than that. And um, yeah, I just feel very fortunate to to have worn that jersey for the past four years. Do you think it helped out a little bit? You hear some horror stories of guys in billets, and eh, do you think like it was just like a comfortability level, just knowing the same routine was the same? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it would have been nice maybe to to get a little bit of a more independent experience. You know, um, potentially playing somewhere else, but. Yeah. I think for my first few years, it definitely helped, um, you know, especially going through the, the blood clot and all that last year. They were huge uh, supporters, and they helped me a lot through that. And, um, yeah, I got to go to Colorado at the end of this year, and they had me up in a hotel with a little kitchen and stuff, so I got a little bit of ta- – a little taste of independence there. And Why, were you cooking? You're no chance you're cooking. Oh, I was there. Because, you were cooking in the hotel? Uh, yeah, you got nothing else. <laughs> well, we would practice in the morning, and you come back to the room at 1 or whatever, and there's not much to do the rest of the day, so I had to <laughs> – I mean, I didn't cook too much at home, but, you know, just trying to build uh, build my independent skill set I think he there. FaceTimed me, like, the first day asking how to cook chicken on the pan or something like Jesus that. Jesus, Justin. I've been, yeah. gone, I've been gone for, like, six years now, so at least I've kind of got a little bit more experience out of the house. But. That's amazing. Well, hey, man, you're you're, gonna, you're a pro hockey player now, so you're going to be independent from here on out, so you got to learn how to cook chicken, but, hey, that's awesome, <laughs> you know. What was it like flying into Denver? What I've, I talked to Nate about it, and he said it's cool, tons of mountains, but what was your uh, experience like going in there for the first time? Yeah, my first day when I flew there was pretty long. Like, I think I left Halifax at noon, and I didn't get into Denver until like 12 or 1 in the morning, so I couldn't see the mountains or anything. But waking up the next day, going to the rink, it's pretty cool seeing the mountains. Um, you know, they're crazy big, nice scenery. Um, and, yeah, we're in uh, the HL teams in Fort Collins, so it's about 45 minutes north of Denver. Oh, that's sick. Um, so, yeah, it's nice being really close. And then um, a few days before I left to come back, I uh, – I was down in Denver to kind of see the city and stuff and got to see the rink and stuff, so that was pretty cool. Was New Hook on the Eagles when you... Yeah, my my first weekend there, my first two games I played, he was there, and then he got called up uh, 
Saturday after the game. That's nice. A familiar face there. That's good. Yeah. And I had Shane, too, which was nice. I oh, yeah, Barris is there, too. Was yeah. Liam O'Brien there, too? Uh, no, he was earlier. No, he was in Colorado. Year, but he was in Colorado at that point. Such a, like, who we, we had, yeah, obviously we had Nate on. We talked to Newhook about this, too. But just, like, the, even, um, uh, who am I forgetting here? Steiny. Yeah. Just, like, just the local faces, the community there. It's just, it's a nice setting. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, development this summer. Are you guys training together? Yeah. With who? We're out with Chris Pierce right now. Okay, cool. Edge. Yeah. What's June like for a professional hockey player? Because you guys, like, you just worked your ass off all year. It's like, I was talking to Highmore the other day. He's like, eh, June, taking it kind of easy. I'm not getting right back into it right now. But yeah. what's June like for you guys? Well, it's it's different year this year, right? Because my season ended, like, later than it normally would have. And then I was at Cornell to graduate. And then we came back here, and we were quarantined for two weeks. So, it just it's kind of been like an awkward off season of like I've been trained I trained a little bit at school and then I took a few weeks off after the year and then came back here and we we're trying to work out in like the backyard of the house we were quarantined at which was it was good like Pierce Chris dropped some weights off for us and stuff which was it was nice we were burning some energy but um for me like and I've played less games this year too like we my division we only played two teams in the AHL there's only three teams in no our division. way yeah it's just so. like you guys with PEI and Cape Breton. Yeah, yeah but you guys got like what forty games and probably in the queue. And yeah, then, I think it was forty three. Yeah, and then he got ten in a Colorado more or less. So I only played I think twenty five games this year. Is that so, frustrating? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I've always played a lighter schedule in college too. I think we yeah. play somewhere between like thirty five and forty. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just wanted to get back on the ice just because I felt like I didn't play um, an obscene amount of hockey throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, but I think normally, yeah, you really start ramping up. As I mean, everyone takes like a week off at least. Like some guys two after the season, depending on how much wear and tear you have, and then yeah. just slowly build and start ramping up over the summer and start skating more as as camp comes along. Uh, but ice is available now, isn't it? Like you yeah, guys. Yeah, last week was the first week. You guys got on the ice. Yeah, you're only allowed ten people out there, I think. Oh, um, so that makes it a little tough, but. Uh, I mean, right now, it's not like we're going out there and trying to take each other's heads off doing balladers or anything. Yeah, we're just yeah, kind of yeah. getting a feel for the. Uh, getting a feel for the puck and the first practice was like uh, guys were just falling left left right and center um just because it, it's crazy like what a month off will do to you. it's it seems like you can't skate anymore but oh i bet we're slowly getting back into it um is there anything that you learned about yourself this year uh turning pro from the junior because like I, I saw you watch i saw you this year with the mooseheads and some of the things you were doing at the end of the season i was like this guy doesn't belong here like you had a, a dipsy doodle at the blue line and you just completely cross the guy over morgan you probably know what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> and it just like you, your skill level was so there and changing over to the professional league i was wondering if there was anything that you learned about yourself as a player and maybe you didn't think you assessed in junior because you know morgan talked about like having the confidence from junior transferring it over to pro was there anything like you found out about yourself at the pro level even though you played just those games there uh i think defensively this was the big thing that coaches really emphasized there in colorado for me but um just defensively, guys are a lot faster and they're stronger. Um, I think in junior, I was a good enough skater where sometimes I could get away with, yeah. um, you know, it's just younger guys and a little bit slower guys taking me wide. And sometimes I could get away with almost some lazy plays or lazy footwork. Um, and then I went there and guys are a lot more explosive. They're a lot stronger. You know, they're they're taking you to the net. Taking you to the net. And I was a bigger guy in junior, so it was a little bit easier for me sometimes um, to out-muscle guys. But once you get to pro, it's definitely, uh, yeah, defending is, is much harder. And that was the big thing they emphasized with me is, um, you know, some technique stuff in the D zone and then just working on your footwork. Yeah. I love the fact that 
in your generation, you guys are able to watch yourself play. I hit, I hit this on the head all the time. Just mm-hmm. you're able to see your mistakes and you're able to see yeah. what you're good at. And you're, and just being able to have that, uh, the iPad on the bench, I couldn't yeah. imagine. I'm not saying if I had that in my day, I'd be <laughs> 10 times better, but I'm just saying being, <laughs> what? <laughs> if I, that's not funny. Mike. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just saying, uh, just being able to have that at the pro level is just, just unbelievable and how you can help yourself. And uh, I don't know, I, I think that would be tremendously helpful for a guy in your situation and yours, how you mm. guys are just trying to break into that pro scene. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I just think it's, it's wicked. It helps you kind of put a game behind you too. Like I know if I did have any bad games this year, like I'd be able to go home and sometimes if, if it's in college and the video is not available for a few days, it's like you're sitting on a stinker you just put up Saturday night and yeah. you're just kind of dragging your ass all day Sunday. And, it, but it's a little bit easier when you can watch the game like a few hours after it ends and, and just figure out what you did good, what you did bad. And sometimes like I felt like I played a terrible game and you watch the video and you're like, Oh, you know, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, but it just helps you kind of put the game behind you. And then the next day, if you're on the ice for practice, it's like a kind of a fresh start. So I love that about it. Yeah. So you had it in junior too, though, didn't you? Yeah. yeah you guys have it in the Q league. Yeah. We, we have the iPads on the bench, um, mostly for the coaches. Some of the players use them too, but I know in Colorado it was nice. We had, uh, they have a couple iPads like in the dressing room Sick. and then it's like the X and O's app. So where you can go on your profile, it cuts all your shifts for you and yeah. it goes to scoring chances, all that kind of thing. So we could just go in the next day after the game and, um, you know, just watch all of our shifts. Cool. They put TVs on the, like, I noticed that in the NHL when I got called up. They have TVs like on the ground behind the bench under like a piece of plexiglass now. That's what they're doing. So if you see the coach. Say that again? Where? It's like, so if I was coaching, I'm standing on the bench and all the players in front of you. If you mm. look down, like sometimes on TV, you see them looking down at their feet. They have like a TV at some of the rings under the plexiglass. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, I, that's I, like, crazy. I never knew that, but that's now they have like a full TV to look down at, which is kind of interesting. That is crazy. Yeah. And there's a guy out back too that's also getting ready to call challenges. Like if there's an offside or I goalie think, interference. I think they have someone in their ear upstairs who can like, kind of rewind it and stuff. And, yeah. and look and then they'll just radio down and say challenger or not that's my guess i'm not 100 percent sure on that but that's nuts no. the technology is ridiculous in hockey right now yeah like the crazy. plays that they review it, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah. um i want to talk about the world juniors for a bit i want to know what um essentially it's like to have a whole country behind you just I, I saw you in those pictures walking into what's it called rogers arena in edmonton yeah. and you had your phone in your hand so obviously you, you're on social media and you see some things like what's that like just knowing a whole country is that i couldn't imagine yeah um you know it's pretty it was pretty special i mean the whole experience is you know holds a special place in in my heart um you know i remember walking to the game from the hotel to the rink there's um a little runway and it has glass and you know every game there's tons of fans outside with signs and making noise and um you know we definitely felt the support even though there wasn't fans in the building um yeah it obviously would have been nice to have fans in the building i think everyone would have enjoyed that a lot more but um yeah i think just given the circumstance um you know the the double did a great job putting the tournament on and um yeah the whole bubble experience was definitely a little crazy but it's pretty fun you're in there with you know 22 guys 23 guys that you've come really close with and you're spending every day with them so it was uh yeah it was an awesome experience it's almost like it brings the kid out of you again even though you're still a kid but just being with the boys for because you guys had to bubble in calgary before or uh camp was in red deer so then we had to do two weeks in red deer just like having that whole experience and then getting to know one another and going into the world juniors it's just yeah it's it's a just even being a fan watching from home, it brings the kid out of you. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just a great time. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I mean, I remember watching the World Juniors every year, and it's like, you know, it's it's what you live for when you're Canadians. After Christmas, that's the first thing you're looking forward to. And 
um, yeah, to get to put that jersey on and play there was definitely uh, special. That's awesome. Any stories from behind the scenes? Anything funny in the dressing room? Were you guys in the Edmonton dressing room? Yeah, we were in the Oilers dressing room. Um, they did a good job, actually. They We had a bunch of special guests kind of uh, while we were there. I know when we were in Red Deer, we had the, the lead singer from the Arkells come on. Um, we actually, in Edmonton, they would bring them on Zoom, sorry. So they would come on, sing songs, and, and then in the Oilers dressing room one night, they had uh, Brett Kissel come on, and he's like a huge Oilers fan and um, a huge hockey fan. So he was singing us some songs and sharing some stories and stuff, so that was pretty cool. That's awesome. An experience you'll have for your entire life. That's sick. Yeah. Um, and I know when you were on two years ago, I kept talking about Madison Square Garden. I'm obsessed with this building. I've never <laughs> been there. Um, when you played there, do, what was the capacity of fans This when you were there? Uh, I wouldn't know the, the exact number, but it was still pretty low when, when yes. I was called up at the end of the year, but it was somewhere between like three and 5,000, I think, for most of my games. Did you ever play there packed when you were with Cornell? Mm-hmm. We played there once a year. It was pretty sick. <laughs> the difference between playing in Cornell and for the Rangers? Uh, yeah, Must I be. mean, hopefully I get the chance to play in front of like full buildings there next yeah. year, so we'll see, but um, I mean, just the building itself is so cool, and it's easy to kind of get lost in the game. You kind of forget where you're playing, which is a good thing. Uh, but just taking warm-ups and stuff and looking up and seeing the roof. And um, I know, like, the celebrities, They every once in a while, they put, like, the celebrity cam up. You meet is... Jimmy Fallon yet? No. God, no. Damn. But uh <laughs> seen Dewey get roasted on his thing. No? No, oh, it was funny. What happened? Uh, they are just... I forget what he's doing. He's chirping a bunch of hockey players on, like, the Tonight Show. Or what's his show? I don't even... The yeah, Late the Show with Jimmy show. Fallon. Tonight Show, I think. But I uh, knew they'd put, like, coffee on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they would just like chirp his headshots. I can't remember even what Newey's was. It was funny. Um, but no, yeah, it's cool seeing like all the different celebrities coming to the game and yeah. stuff. And yeah, just like the ambiance around the whole thing. I remember, so we'd get like day rooms, uh, like a hotel room for like your pregame nap essentially. Because uh, when I was called up, we were staying out as in like a hotel close to the practice facility, which is like 45 minutes away from MSG. Really? So like if you don't have a place in the city, which this year there's a few like more guys who lived outside the city just because a lot of the stuff was shut down. But and we get like a day room, uh, which is essentially like a hotel room from like noon till four. And you just kind of go down there and get your pregame maps. So you don't have to deal with traffic coming in into yeah, the city. They think of everything. Yeah, real smart. But just I remember walking out and there's like a dude in a suit. And I was like, just we're, we're like a block from MSG maybe in the hotel. And I was like, what is this guy doing? Like hanging around. He's kind of looking at me. And then he like, as I started walking, he was walking with me. And I was like, what? <laughs> I had my headphones and I took him out and he like introduced himself. And he was like security walking me over to the game a block. And I was no. like, I don't think anybody, <laughs> dog. I don't think nobody know, anybody knows who I am or anything like that. But then, um, yeah, just walking over. And even, even during COVID, there's still like a little lineup of fans. And uh, it was pretty cool. It was hilarious walking over and, um, <laughs> yeah, just the whole the whole ambiance of New York. It's so cool. Like I love it down there. And yeah, the energy I couldn't imagine. Yeah, it's crazy. And I I know um, my parents got to see because so when they came down to New York when I was at Cornell to watch me play at MSG, mm. they went to like a Rangers game the night before. And uh, I haven't actually I guess I haven't been in there for like a full build full capacity for a Rangers game ever. I never saw it before, but um, I know the city's like very much alive right now, and and things are buzzing down there. So. I think come October it'll be full building and he said hopefully I can make that roster and kind of play in front of a, a packed house. Yeah, that'd be sick. Mm. Unreal. I remember last time you said you were at MSG. It might have been you actually. You said you had a game at MSG. You were playing for Cornell and you couldn't get into the room before like an hour before or something because yeah. BU and Ethan Phillips was holding it up. Uh, well, we were playing BU, but there's just so much going on down there of like there's yeah. concerts every night if there's not a game and then the Knicks are playing and the Rangers are playing. And um, yeah, like I don't think we. Uh, like and I would assume it would have been the same for BU because they would have been in a different dressing room. But 
Um, I don't think our gear got moved in until like an hour and a half before the game, probably. It was just kind of crazy. That's brutal. Yeah, and, and the logistics, like people don't know M- MSG's on like the eighth floor. It's like way up there, the ice surface. Yeah, every time they film the boys walk and they're going like up a ramp. Yeah, so because Penn Station's uh, underneath it and like yeah, I just never realized that. You got to take like elevators or walk up the ramp to get up. So just like logistically everything going on down there and then you're in here in the middle of new york city like there's yeah. so much going on but um that's yeah, pretty cool spot to play um i want to talk about exit meetings for the year what did uh, your coaches say to you and what they what do they want you to like work on this summer in order to come back next year um for me it was uh kind of the same thing i touched on before like defending um footwork and um yeah pretty much just coming back you know putting some weight on a little bit of weight hopefully this summer and then Don't just... you put weight on Dude. uh yeah like that was more of my own preference thing um but yeah they just you know anytime you can get a little bit stronger and yeah you know, not even necessarily gain a ton of weight but um you know just add some muscle and some strength that i think it'll definitely help me for you know trying to make the avalanche next year and um yeah it was it was a pretty simple meeting i mean i was only there <laughs> nine games yeah. um, so it was uh yeah it was pretty pretty basic like get out of here, get bigger. We'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what about you, Morgan? Uh, mine seemed to be like just get a little quicker. I mean, okay. especially moving from a, any level all the way up, um, you can always be a little bit faster, you know. And you see some of the, all the guys who dominate at the NHL, they're like insane skaters. So that was for me, just get a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. And um, I think that you know you can never be quick enough was kind of the uh, adage they use. So that's kind of what I've been working on. Was there an excitement level for both of you guys knowing that? Okay. Cause you know, like I talk about doubt every now and then, like I'll doubt myself. I have a guest on the podcast. I'm like, fuck, can I talk to these guys for an hour? I'm a little nervous, yeah, yeah. but then when we get into it, it's fine. Like, well, how yeah. you doing? It's an easy conversation. Was there any confidence that you guys, uh, gained by playing pro hockey this year? And like, Oh, I can do this. I can hang with these guys. I can skate. Was there any of that that came into, came into your head at all? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you definitely wonder about like yeah. how it's going to be and it, it's just funny like you look at guys and guys i played against in college who make the jump and sometimes there's guys who you know i play against them in college i'm like oh this guy's sick and then they make the jump and it just never really translates and then yeah. there's other guys who you play against in college who for me in college at least who i'm like damn like i don't know how good he is or how good it's going to be like he really got he got an nhl deal or whatever it is and then he jumps in and all of a sudden he's like playing full-time in the nhl yeah and he's doing well and watching on tv and it just seems like it's a different player so there was definitely a little bit of like uh, I'm curious how it's going to translate, but um, I think even when I get my feet wet in camp, I, I realized pretty quickly like I, I felt comfortable out there. And then um, once we got going in Hartford, I mean, I I just felt like things were going pretty well, and I felt comfortable. And point and per I, game, congrats by yeah, the way. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, every game like I just felt like I was getting a little more comfortable, and the puck seemed to be following me around a little bit more. And, nice. Um, once I got going with that, and and towards the end of the year, I felt like you know if I was going to get called up. I was going to be ready for it. And then obviously you do get called up and then I think the doubt sets in again for a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, Frig, this is really happening now. Um, but pretty quickly, even getting in there and getting my feet wet in the practice and then eventually playing, um, you know, I felt, I felt better than I expected to feel out there. That's a little awesome. bit more comfortable to have pretty quick. Did you surprise yourself at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think for me it was, I had nothing, I had no experience in Colorado yet. So like with my draft being pushed back and COVID and everything, usually I would have had a, uh, an NHL camp in and a development camp in, but none of that happened last year, obviously because of COVID. Um, so yeah, coming in, it was, I was definitely a little bit nervous. I didn't know really what to expect. You're coming into a new team with, you know, only nine games left or whatever it is. Um, and then you hear it's, it's a much bigger league and, you know, quite a bit faster. Um, but yeah, 
like I said, I was fortunate. They threw me into, you know, I got to play power play, got to play PK. They put me in, in, you know, great situations there. And, um, yeah, I just tried to keep, keep building off, uh, each game and get a little bit better each game. And I thought by the end, you know, I felt a lot more comfortable and, um, yeah, I think that's really going to benefit me come next year. Yeah, I was going to say like that's an ex- even though you didn't play many games, at least you got a taste of it. So this summer you're not sitting around wondering, like, eh, can I hang with these guys? It's just nice to go back to camp next year and be like, all right, I did this before, I can do it again. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the draft. I'd message you when you got drafted. I was like, hey, congrats, Justin, well done. And I was like, and then I, what did I say? I said, uh, what, what, what did I say again? Uh, I don't even remember. I messaged you. I was like. Uh, do they have all the hats and the jerseys in yeah. here? Did they send you all the hats? or? Yeah, so I, I didn't get any jerseys, but I got all the hats. They sent me every team's hat, which was pretty cool. So, so they, what do you do with all the hats? There's still like 15 of them sitting in our basement. Yeah. No. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, well, I had a bunch. I gave a bunch to my buddies, like, you know, the Montreal. Oh, you gave it away. Toronto ones. <laughs> went, those, those ones all went pretty fast. Um, but, yeah, there's, um, yeah, I had them laid all out, all, all out of my floor, and then, Everyone was laughing because as soon as I got drafted, my dad stood up and he left the camera and bolted <laughs> over to the side. And there was a bunch of comments saying, oh, he was going to take a drink of his beer or something like that. But he was just running over to get the hat for me. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, we had them all, all the hats lined up on the floor. And, um, yeah, I know it was pretty cool. They at least had something to put on there. No jersey. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. They sent me all the hats. How early did they send the hats before the draft? Like, did, did they get there the day of? They, who sent them over? Did they FedEx them? Yeah, it was someone from the NHL. Um, I think they came a few days before, and then, um, yeah, I mean, the whole experience was weird. You know, you have – It was a funny video. Yeah. It was very – like, oh, I yeah. was proud of you, but, like, just, it's just and, very funny. Yeah, and he wasn't here, and I didn't know if I was going to get drafted in the first round or not, so I, I didn't want to have too many people over. So it was almost a little bit awkward. You're sitting there, and for me it was in my basement, and you're watching yourself on TV, and you're just kind of sitting there watching yourself get drafted. and. You got your laptop set up in front of you with the camera. Oh, is that what was filming it? Your laptop? Yeah. And it it was funny because the laptop was like probably a good 10 seconds faster than the TV. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I heard it on the laptop first and then the TV was like delayed. So, yeah, it was bizarre. But, um, (laughs) yeah, it was was pretty cool. (laughs) Who was the first like phone call that you got? You're like, holy shit, he's calling me. Like Sackick, McKinnon, who who was the guy? Uh, I think I got a call from him right away. Yeah, that's a holy shit moment. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Your brother calling you. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Got one from my agent, and then, uh, yeah, I got a call from uh, Joe Sackick, which was pretty cool, and, um, yeah, I got a couple of texts from the players and stuff, so it was nice. That's awesome, man. That's a, yeah, it was a, just in a weird year of hockey and just seeing that draft come to fruition and watching you go 25th, it was awesome. Really cool. Thanks. Good for, it. I don't know, like the Halifax Hawks, just, you know, just, it was just good for everything. It was good for, it was just good. Just <laughs> There wasn't really a lot to look forward to this year. Just just to like have a guy from our neighborhood do something. It was it's fun. Yeah. To, it was fun. Yeah. And also from not being able to leave, and that's what was really big for our podcast is watching guys in other parts of the world play hockey. It was just yeah. you guys kind of just kept it exciting for us because we were able to like view and hope and watch. It was mm-hmm. good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, plans for the summer? Not a whole lot. <laughs> you guys gonna are you guys gonna be here? I'll be here. I'm going to go back sometime in August. I'm not exactly sure when yet. To New York? Uh, yeah, New York or Connecticut kind of train out there. Yeah. Area. But I have a charity game back at school in the middle of August I'm trying to get back for. So nice. We'll see. It kind of depends on, like, which pro guys come back here. Um, oh, yeah. That's a – Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure. I haven't really um, heard too much about different guys' plans. I mean, we have a good skate going right now, but especially if it stays at, like, 10 people on the ice, that makes it tough when you want to run, like, a full practice towards the end of the summer. And Yeah. 
Um, I would imagine some of the guys are j- just don't want to go up or deal with like a two week quarantine coming back. Cause it does cut into your training for sure. Oh, hundred um, percent. That'd be yeah. brutal. Yeah, it's, it wasn't fun for us. But, but I'm pretty sure if you had it. both vaccines, you don't have to isolate. <laughs> uh, when we came through, I mean, we've both had both in the states, and so you still have to isolate. Yeah, I think um, I I saw something about like if you're Canadian and you have both vaccines and you're coming home, they might get rid of the quarantine in like middle of July. But I don't, I don't know if that's true at all or not. But when we came through, no, we we uh, we tried at the border asking like, hey, we both had both our shots. I think I I had mine like two three months ago almost now because the state second one yeah the states were pumping them out pretty quick um i saw they were giving them away at like basketball games or like get a ticket yeah. a hot dog and a vaccine yeah they're just trying to get America. rid of them but uh yeah now we're quarantined for two weeks but i was glad i got to do it with him like he came to cornell and my parents couldn't come down to watch me graduate and walk but he was there so oh you went down bit, so yeah that's 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 yeah. cool yeah made it a little better that's nice. Yeah. What about you? Are you going to be here this summer or are you going back? No, I'll be here all summer. Um, I'm waiting to hear on if there's going to be like a rookie tournament, um, you know, at the end of August or start of uh, September, which they normally, they've done in the previous years. So I'll probably play in that. Um, so yeah, just waiting for dates on that and, you know, just training here and skating and golfing and golfing. Where are you golfing? Uh, I'm a member at Ashburn. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're at uh, we're up at Osprey. We got like a corporate package up there, and we got a family cottage up in Bridgewater. Oh yeah. Have you guys always been golfing? Yeah. Is it just he like plays a new more than I do? <laughs> what's your What's your lowest score? Um, I had uh, I shot three over and two over last summer. I think I got my handicap down to like around a four. Was wow. closest all summer, but last year, yeah. I mean, that's the most golf I'll probably ever play in a year. Like <laughs> as soon as courses opened, there was nothing to do, obviously. So I think I got close to like a hundred rounds and it was, wow. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. That, that, there was a point where all you could do was golf here. I bought, I went out to golf town, bought a set. That's <laughs> all I've been doing. I'm just like, we're trying to advertise with golf courses, just to golf for free. Cause like, I'd rather just advertise and spend money, <laughs> Yeah, but no, that's all we're doing too. It's, it's golf and hockey. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about playoffs right now. Are you, are you guys, at least for myself, like when I played hockey, I always watched. I'm still a fan, but you guys are, you live it, breathe it. You're everything hockey. Do you do you care about the playoffs right now or no? Yeah, yeah I you, mean, like, I like watching the games. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, we talked about before the show. The games are on so late here. It's I like know. nine o'clock or ten o'clock, and I've I've been trying to go to bed early, but um, it's tough when the games are on this late. So I'll, I'll usually try to squeeze like a period or two in before bed, and then. Yeah um sometimes i'll record it and everyone will freak out at me at the gym because i don't know the score so i'm walking around with my earplugs telling them not to oh talk about it but I, i've given up on that because i you know, it seems to spoil it at some point or another but um yeah no I, we, we definitely watch them or we record it and watch it the next day yeah it's a lot it's they have the thing now it's um it's like you know how they do jays and 30 no what's that you don't know what Jays and 30 is? Or you're living in the States. You yeah. know what Jays and 30 yeah, yeah. is, yeah. Well, they do that for hockey now. So, so they play the game in 30 minutes. Oh, they cut out the commercials they, and all the boring Well, parts. they just do the highlights and uh, it's everything okay. in 30 minutes. So they do that with the, the playoff games now. So you wake up in the morning, you can watch the game in 30 minutes. Oh, uh, that's kind of nice, so actually. So it's nice. Yeah, you can cruise through them. No, it's a great thing. We watched a ton in quarantine. Because that's yeah, when that I think was it, was, it was like the second round. So it'd be like two, three games on every night. That was awesome. When you guys quarantine here, sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, what was it, 14 days? Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you guys were you at the parents' house? No, so we actually had a house up there because we weren't even allowed to uh quarantine at home because we would have had to share a bathroom to like shower and stuff with mom and dad. Oh yeah. So we were lucky enough. We had some family friends up the street who uh they weren't staying at the house at all. So we awesome. got to yeah, bunk up there, but long time, fourteen days. Yeah. Um did you hear the story about uh McKinnon when he was talking about you on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. What did you think of that? 
Uh, I mean, it was, it's pretty cool to hear. Obviously, a guy like that, he's, you know, one of the best players in the world. And, um, you know, to, to receive a compliment like that and then, you know, to want for him to want to, the abs to draft me was pretty cool. And, I mean, looking back on it, going out to that skate last year, it, I think it was my first skate um, since my since COVID hit and my yeah. season had ended and stuff. And, um, you know, I was just trying to go out and not embarrass myself. Was it and, just you and him? Uh, it was me, him, um, Shane Bowers. Um, there was a goalie too. I forget it. Uh, Ben Meisner. Okay. Yeah. I know Ben. Um, and then Johnny Green was running the skates. So, Johnny. Um, yeah. I mean, looking back on it, I never really thought too much of it. And then, you know, come three or four months later, I get drafted by the avalanche and you hear that story. It was, it was kind of funny and, um, yeah, cool to hear. <laughs> I love the fact that when you got drafted, I think the Mooseheads tweeted out a video of you on the ice the next morning at 8am. Love that. Yeah, that was, uh, cause I had shoulder surgery. Um, September 18th, just to correct what caused the blood clot last year. So I came home, uh, did my two-week quarantine at home with my parents. I got out of quarantine a day before the draft, so I was all excited to get on the ice and, you know, start my <laughs> rehab and that kind of thing. So I, uh, yeah, it was the morning after the draft, and, you know, I had ice booked in the morning. And <laughs> Everyone's just like, oh, he's a go-getter. He loves it. He's after. He's like, no, he's just out of quarantine. What's the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was it just you and Johnny out there? Yeah, at That's that point awesome. it was because I couldn't really do contact or anything like that. So, <sighs> yeah, no, Johnny was uh, Johnny was great. So how do you discover getting a blood clot? Like what – how does that um, – So it was actually – I think it was November 30th. We had a home game. This would have been 2019, but we had a home game against uh, Blaineville and – um, I kind of woke up that day and my arm felt a little bit funny. Um, and I actually remember mentioning it to a couple of my teammates, like my arm kind of felt weird that day and I never really thought too much about it. Um, cause I had all my strength and everything like that anyways. Then I went out and played that night and as the game went on, my arm seemed to get a little bit heavier and it like felt like there was more pressure and sorry during the game. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, as the yeah, game yeah, went yeah, on, yeah. I remember in the second intermission, I mentioned it to our athletic therapist and she was like, all right, well come see me after the game if it gets any worse. And um, I went and saw her after the game when I took my gear off. It was my right arm was a lot bigger. You could tell it was like swollen and there was some discoloration and um, just felt like a lot of pressure. So Robin put me, uh, Robin Hunter, athletic therapist with the Moose, she put me right on, uh, she gave me aspirin right away. My mom came and picked me up and took me to the hospital. And um, yeah, it was crazy, you know, 12 hours. They didn't, uh, and also sound an ultrasound and found it the next morning. And then I had to go on blood thinners for the three months. Wow. Yeah. That's no good. <laughs> no. That's like I, yeah. terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was weird. It was definitely a shock just because our families had no history of blood clots or anything like that. And, um, yeah, it was just, you know, it was a freak incident. Like it just developed over time. And then the, the surgery I got was, um, it was pretty much just a corrective procedure to, um, open up some space in my thoracic outlet just to prevent it from happening again. How did you, um, cause I remember that it happened at such a crucial time draft year, world juniors were that right before it, when it happened to, how did you, I guess, keep yourself sane? Um, I think just, you know, staying around the guys with the moose heads, like being at the rink every day and, um, you know, getting in the gym and skating and just trying to keep myself busy. It oh, so you, you were still able to, yeah, okay. it, it was a really weird, uh, it was a really weird injury because it happened and I took about two weeks off. Um, but that after you know the first um the first two weeks the swelling and everything went down and i barely had any symptoms anymore yeah so i was pretty much training and skating every day for two and a half months yeah just waiting to play and i felt great um but you just have to 
it's standard procedure procedure to do at least three three to six months when uh, on wow. blood thinners when you have a blood clot. So it wasn't bad in that sense. Like I was still able to skate and work out every day. Yeah, I was thinking it was like a concussion. Like you got to sit in a dark room for. I'm just an idiot. I just I, I thought <laughs> I didn't know you were still able to go and skate. That's that. That's a bit better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But still not being able to play. But no, it, it's good that you got out and you got it taken care of. And you'd rather that, I know it's kind of weird to say, but it's like you'd rather that happen now then than now. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I was lucky. And my agent got me in contact with a really good surgeon in Ontario. And, um, you know, they took a look at it. And they were the ones that actually identified the surgery that I probably would have, uh, that, pro- that I needed surgery. And they had seen it with a few NHL players in the past. Yeah. I know Andre Vasilevsky had it done. And, um, I think Chris Carr is another guy that had something similar. I so. think Latang had. I don't know if he had the surgery, but he had blood clot. Yeah, it's it's weird how it's a little bit more common than you'd think. But um, yeah, I was in good hands, so I'm thankful for that. Um, well, it's awesome to hear that you're healthy and you're back and you're good to go. It's awesome. Um, how much time are we at, Mark? Fifty-two minutes. You you were talking about getting uh, quicker, and mm. back when I was playing hockey to to get quicker, I don't know. You run up Citadel Hill and <laughs> you put a weight vest on you and. I don't know what else you do, but what, what do you, hockey training is so complex. We had a trainer on here the other day and we were talking about things that hockey players need to do in order to become better athletes, I guess. What well, what are some things that you look to do in order to become, I guess, a quicker hockey player t- in today's generation? Yeah. I mean, most I just listen to the trainers that I'm with and do <laughs> yeah, whatever they tell me to do. Same thing I'm doing. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, working with Chris Pierce here has been awesome. He does yeah. a really good job. And then when I'm down in the States, I get to go see Ben Prentice, who he works out of uh, Stamford, Connecticut. And both of them do such a great job of, yeah. um, you know, just kind of preparing you for the off ice stuff and, and kind of priming your body to be ready. So when the season does go, it, everything's able to kind of translate over yeah um and then on the ice like i've worked with jill plandowski quite a bit here over okay. the past few years she's great yeah she's awesome yeah. she does a really good job i think we're starting with her next week to get some skates but yeah it just it seems like as the season wears on um you know some of the fundamentals you might kind of learn when you're younger or work on throughout the summer um they kind of start to just slowly disappear throughout the year if you know what i mean like you're getting more tired and you might be a little bit banged up so I think it's just good reset every summer to go back and just kind of bring your stride back to where it should be and, and fix all those real real um, solid fundamentals. And then that way, heading into camp, you always feel real good. Do you ever find your guys' like your uh, your hips tighten up throughout the year? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah? <laughs> all the time. time. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think that's pretty common in like most hockey players now. I, know I get my groin and my hips and... Uh, that's one of the nice parts about now being pro, being or playing pro hockey and you have like your, just the the facilities and um the people and the therapists and everything that you're kind of you have the opportunity to use and take advantage of it that helps a lot and really even at cornell i was blessed like we had we were really great staff that kind of helped us work through those things so yeah. uh, i think that's that's a big part of being pro that um i had to learn this year was like taking that extra time to hang out at the rink even if it's for like an hour or two hours to just really roll everything out and stretch out and relax and work on your breathing and, and settle everything down was uh that was big for me and it was a nice change not having like schoolwork. You know, normally at school you're sprinting from yeah. class to the rink and then back to class and you're doing homework and um, you had nothing going on all day once we were done practice. So you could really kind of work on that and that definitely helps. It is a cool transition. It's like you're a pro. Like no one's yeah. babysitting you. No one's yeah. making sure your marks are okay. Like you're yeah. just, you go to the rink, you make sure you're healthy and then you go home, you eat well, you come back, you do it again. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's, it is nice. Being able to do it in a top facility, a top facility like MSG or I don't know what what's colorado's doesn't matter i'm sure colorado is top top of the line facility it doesn't really matter what <laughs> yeah it's called. i haven't seen any of it yet so i don't have ball arena that's what yeah, it is ball, ball arena. arena uh it's just nice to be able to you know have that in your facility and just yeah. like talk about 
the Mooseheads though. I mean the RBC ring. Yeah, the RBC. Oh center. my god. Yeah, it's we, unbelievable. Yeah, we got that. My I think it was halfway through my first year with the team, and um, yeah, I, it was awesome having it over there, and it works out really well. We have all of our well, all of our players build in Dartmouth anyways. Yeah. Um, so they're a lot closer to the rank. It's not a bad drive for me, but yeah, Bobby Smith, our owner, you know, he's put a ton of money into the team and resources and, um, yeah, that, that facility over there is amazing. No, it's unbelievable. I remember I was talking to, I'm not going to say his name, but I was talking to a guy that played for the Mooseheads, got drafted to the NHL and went to his respected team. And he was like, man, the facilities here in Halifax are nicer than the NHL organization. Yeah. It's unbelievable that the, the rink and even the, the, the upgrades they did to the Scotia. I hate saying Scotiabank Center, but the Scotiabank Center, they it's top of the line facility. It's pumped. Yeah. And it's awesome how like all those European guys come here. One, it's the shortest flight from Europe to Halifax. They do such a good job recruiting Europeans to that organization. Um and two, yeah, like you just said, Bobby doesn't, you know, hide the bucks. He spends it and it pays off and the fans and it pays off on the team and the product they put on the ice. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Did you go to any um uh Thunderbirds games? Uh, yeah, we went to, I don't know if it was their first year, but when I was my 18 year old year, um, we went all the time and I think they hooked us up with some tickets a few times. So nice. we had our whole team there. They, those games were a blast. They were a great uh, time. They were really exciting. Yeah. They were getting more fans than us there for a little bit. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you got, did you go to rock? You guys both went to Rockingham. Yeah. So you know, Mr. Fink, yeah. did you guys play lacrosse growing up? Cause he, he always, he was, yeah, we did a little bit of box lacrosse. I can't remember when we stopped, but, um, yeah, we played quite a bit growing up. I mean, we played every sport. We were basketball and yeah, soccer yeah, yeah. and lacrosse. But, yeah, no, we both played. It was fun. Did you ever play competitively, like at Sprite, like at like Northwest, Southwest, anything like we that? We were Northwest, right? Rebels? Yeah, yeah, Northwest. So it is the Rebels? That's what it was? Yeah, Northwest. Yeah. I was on the yeah. Rebels, too. Yeah, that's what we played for a little bit. Do you like it? Yeah, I loved it. Were you good? Yeah. <laughs> the boys were still up. so young. Like, yeah. I don't know. We, I, I can't remember what age you would have stopped. Probably, like, 10 or 12 years old. Yeah. We kind of took up uh, – we were – we played lacrosse too, but then we kind of took up just hockey, basketball, and soccer pretty yeah. competitively, and then you know, and then we dropped those for hockey. But yeah, yeah. we played. Uh, yeah, our, our parents, you know, they were great and let us play any sport we wanted growing up, and as long as we worked hard and gave one hundred and ten percent. Rocking is sick though. What's that? Lacrosse is sick. Oh, I yeah. did wish we stuck with it a little yeah. longer. Well, in New York, they'll have a team at MSG. They must. The uh, yeah, the Rip, or, uh, Riptide. What are they Riptide, maybe. I but think so. They, uh, I mean, our lacrosse team at Cornell was sick. It's field lacrosse, but yes, yeah, so you guys uh, do have a good lacrosse. Unreal. Field I think team. there's one guy playing for the Thunderbirds now who came from there. Okay, um, Clark Peterson. I think I don't know. Clark's unreal. Yeah. Not Peterson. Peterson, I think his last. I don't know, but he's very good. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was a good player at Cornell because I used to go watch their games a lot. And yeah, um, I think the guy the. The guy who went first overall to, I think, the Riptide or whatever the New York team drafted him was, like, All-American at Cornell for, like, four years. Jeff Teets his name. I know. Okay, cool. Know him a little bit. But, yeah, uh, that was sick to watch. It's, it's completely different than box lacrosse, so, like, the field. Well, there's no shot clock. Yeah. And just, like, the, I had no idea what was going on the first few times watching. Like, they're racing. You know what I mean? Like, when the ball goes out of bounds, they're, like, racing to the sidelines and putting well, the yeah. sticks. So, when the ball gets shot, and let's say the ball goes behind, uh, it's almost like icing in hockey. It's, yeah. like, the first guy to get to the, the line gets to beat out the, yes. the whistle, and you get the ball. It's kind of like yeah, that. But it is slower because there's no, like, shot clock. Yeah. Box there's a 30 second shot clock so right. you gotta shoot yeah but box box is fun i mean a uh, field is fun mm-hmm. it's cold when you play it here like <laughs> yeah. they, they start up here like but it is no it's a great sport the neighborhood that we grew up in like there's so many kids running around there's so many mm. it's just a great neighborhood to grow up in to play a bunch of sports like the rockingham field back there there's just 
You're just a good neighborhood to grow up in. Yeah. We're um, the same way. We were lucky. We had street hockey oh, yeah. games going, like, constantly. Were you guys ever at the – what's the rink there right by you guys, the outdoor rink? Did oh, you guys at tre- DJ or Tremont? Tremont, I think. Yeah. You guys, we, were you guys big on that? Yeah. Uh, we were, I, I think mean, it was Tremont. Any outdoor rink we would go to. You know the one <laughs> right by the road? Yeah, yeah it's, it's probably DJ, DJ Butler. Right? Yeah. DJ Butler? Yeah. It's in the tennis court in the basketball court. Yeah, in the tennis court. Right court. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were up there, and, and like Morgan said earlier, our dad always put a rink for us in our backyard growing oh, up, yeah. so we were like back and forth. <laughs> yeah, just nonetheless, great neighborhood. Oh, yeah. um, I wanted to talk. Are you, are you good for time, by the yeah. way? Yeah. You're no sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the I always found it unique, or just different, that NCAA route, Q route, same household. Mm-hmm. What's the age difference? Three years. Three years. I just wanted to know... Like when you were young, were you always set on an NCAA? When you were young, were you always set on Mooseheads? Like you know, what what was? Where yeah, do you think the difference came from? I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I know for me, like, no, I was I was open to doing things both ways. And okay. I almost signed with St. John. Um, I didn't get drafted to the Q my first year out of midget, but the second time around, I got drafted, and I almost signed with St. John there. But I had ultimately just already committed to to going to prep school, and um, you know, my, my dad gets that question all the time from just like local parents who are wondering about their kids and yeah. they're kind of like, should I send my kid to the NCAA? Should he go to prep school or should we let him go to the Q drafter? And you now I feel bad for him because he's probably answered the question like a million times, but his answer is <laughs> the exact same every time. It's like, well, like, I don't like, what does the kid want to do? What do you think's best? Like, yeah. you, your dad it, seems like a beauty. He's yeah. just like, what do you want to do? The kid, yeah. I love that. But, and people think it's like a political answer, I think of like, he doesn't want to give one way or the other because I'm at one and Justin's at the other, but um that's like an honest answer and and going through it for me i think it was best i went to ncaa just because i grew a little bit later and i matured a little bit later and i needed those extra few years like going to san andrews college and and getting that prep school experience for two years was was unbelievable and and going to cornell and just playing that style of hockey i think was really good it helped me translate my game to the pro but um you know for him i mean he was a first round pick in the queue and he was ready to go at 16 years old and you know like you you can make an argument that that those years of prep school that I played may not have been as beneficial for him. Yeah. So I I don't know, like you can talk more about your experience in the queue, but um, yeah, I, th- I think it really depends on the kid. Okay. Yeah. I was lucky. I mean, I had him, he went to prep school and um, you know, while I was still playing midget and Bantam and then he was touring university. So I was lucky cause I got an actual taste of what NCAA life yeah. was like a little bit before. And I already knew enough about the queue. Um, so yeah, I'd, for the Q draft, I kind of handpicked some teams I was interested in, and Halifax being one of them, and it worked out they drafted me. But I, I mean, I was still open to go the NCAA route if it had a bit of different team. I easily could have ended up in playing NCAA. Yeah, well, it worked out great for both you guys. Yeah, it was. I mean, we're lucky to have the exposure of it too. Like I grew up, and Dean Decision was my coach for the longest time. And oh yeah, I know Dean. Yeah, Dino played four years at the University of North Dakota, and. I mean, of course, growing up in Halifax, everything's like all the moose heads. It's all about the queue. Um, but because Dean was my coach and he spoke so highly of his experience playing NCAA, I think that helped both of us just kind of get exposed to it and learn about it a little bit mm-hmm. more. So that's why we were both open-minded. I, I think that was probably the main main factor. I never thought of it from your perspective of having him three years ahead of you and going down to see him play and just looking at it and be like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. That's an interesting thing. I never saw it from that yeah. way. Yeah, especially – you know, from Halifax, like you said, you don't hear much about NCAA. Yeah. Um, I remember me, um, there was a combine here with a bunch of prep schools and NCAA teams came down. I think this probably would have been when I was in like band or something like that. And I remember like, uh, me and, uh, Peter Libertor, Ethan Phillips played in it. Um, but I, th- I remember that was like the first time, 
um, you know, there was any like NCAA or prep school really exposure like into this area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's gotten a lot better. Like, there's a lot of guys from Halifax now who have gone oh, down man. and played down there. Well, like the, in, cool. the internet, like yeah, just being able to see guy even guys like social media it's like oh look at this guy he's at fenway and he plays yeah. at bu it's like that's yeah, kind of cool yeah. i ever thought that was an accessible thing from a guy that grew up here it's right it's just kind of uh yeah the world's opened up mm-hmm. like our trip down to boston i think it was three years ago to see bowers maybe four years ago now it, not that i was jealous but like it opened my eyes to like oh man i wish i would have looked at this option looked at this route it's uh it's unbelievable the connections you can make down there. We had Ethan Phillips on two years ago, maybe his last year, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going down to L.A. tomorrow. My buddy that I used to play with at BU, we're gonna go stay at his place." Like the yeah. the connections you guys can make down in the states, and it's it's really cool. Yeah, it's eye opening for sure. Absolutely, and there's so many different experiences at the different schools too. Like my experience at Cornell, and I, I mean, I grew up playing with Michael Leary, and he went to Notre Dame. I think he actually used to be committed to Cornell, ironically enough, but. He had nothing um, but great things to say about that school. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. unbelievable. Yeah. I, I went there with my prep school team and toured, and you get to see everything. And it, it, Yeah, like I love Cornell, and I, it was so much more than I thought I was getting when I went there, but just being able to see everybody um, go through their different experiences. And, you know, I very rarely, if ever, do you hear someone having a bad experience at their respective school, but it's just so much different. Then you think about, like, now there's Arizona State. You can go down and go to ASU and play hockey or – you can be on the east coast like Shane, Shane, uh, and Ethan, and at BU like these historic hockey schools. So it's pretty cool. You can go and you kind of, if you're a good enough player, you'll you'll get your uh, you get to take your pick of the schools. It's pretty awesome. We uh, when we went down to Boston, we went to Harvard to see Willie DeVoe and yeah. Adam Fox was in the room. Your teammate yeah. now, and I was talking to Willie. I was like, well, "What's Adam like? He's unreal. Like he's gonna be. Who was he drafted by? Calgary, I think." Calgary, and then his rights got traded to Carolina and then New York. New York, something like that. And he was just like, yeah, like, Adam, he's unreal. He's going to the show. He's just here taking a couple classes, and then he just knows he's going to the NHL. And we were talking to him for a bit and just, like, he just knew where he was going, and he was so comfortable in his position. You could just tell he was so happy and just to see where he is now because I guess he took his – I don't want to say take his time. Like, I'm sure he could have played in the NHL at any point. But, he like, I don't know. It's it's, it's a route to take your time and figure out what you want. Yeah, for sure. What's Adam like now? I'm sure he's a good, good guy dude. still. Yeah, he's awesome. One of the best really D in the guy. NHL. No offense. You're going to be there one day. <laughs> he, uh, it's so funny watching him play because he plays the game so much differently than, like, any other defenseman who's um, who's in the league, and he's just so good at it. Like, he's he, calm. Calm and just cool and collected, and, like, his head fakes and little things like that. It, I, I don't know how to describe it, but, he's yeah, he's sick. And real good defender, too. I think that's probably part of his game that's overlooked, but he's so good. Um, with his stick checks and just playing defensively responsible, but also creating offense. We saw a sick. I was, we were just sitting there watching the game. I don't know who they were playing. Who's the team with the Husky in NCAA? Northeastern. Northeastern playing Northeastern. Harvard versus Northeastern, and game was packed. It was awesome. Adam Fox is at the red line, and he's backing up, sucking the whole <laughs> team into him, sucking everyone back, and just this nice little boop, little 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 saucer pass over like three, yeah. four sticks. Guy on the far blue lines coming in through speed, catches the puck, goes in, scores breakaway, and like it was a. Just the pass and the way he was able to suck everyone back. It was unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah, he's a player. And you're able – I'm not – like, I, I think a level of calmness in the NHL is a, is a rare skill set. I'm not – like, you're not in the NHL yet, but I think your level of calmness is is up there. Your, your shoulders are low. You're able to look at your option and you make the pass. And w- were you always able to have that level of calmness or did that develop over time in junior? Because I think I know the answer, but you might have a different answer. Um – I mean, I feel like there was always a little part of that in me. Um, I mean, I think in general I'm a pretty calm guy, but, you know, I was, my, especially my, you know, third and fourth year in junior, I think you definitely saw it a lot more. Um, 
yeah, I think it's just one of those things. It comes with comfort and, you know, experience. The NHL defenseman is such an interesting uh, position now, I feel like. Just watching it, like uh, an NHL an NHL defenseman is something that only a guy that really knows hockey can appreciate. You know, just being able to get a stick on a guy, move him, maybe kick the puck up to the winger, and the next thing you know, they're out of the zone. It's such a, a cool position, and it's, an, it's a position I've learned to appreciate over the, I guess, past couple of years watching it more than playing it. Um, did you find yourself when you were in the corners being able to, I guess, get the puck out? Did you find yourself comfortable, like strong enough? Yeah, I, I did surprise myself a little bit down there. Like I felt pretty strong in Colorado. Um, and, you know, I'm fortunate. Like one of the things I pride myself is my pride myself on is my skating. Um, and then I'm, I'm a pretty big kid too. And I got a good reach. So I think, you know, with all those things, it helped me adapt a little bit quicker. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely still a part of my game. I'm really going to have to work on like a lot of the guys, a few of the D on our team when I was in Colorado had at some NHL games. And they say, it's like, once you get up there, you get stuck out against someone's first line. And it's like, they're just doing laps of the zone and it's, it's a different league. Yeah. When, yeah. It's going to be wicked when you get there. Like yeah, it's just, I'm excited. You know, it'll be, it'll be fun to get my first NHL camp next year. I don't really know exactly what to expect, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. That's awesome. Well, fellas, I appreciate you guys coming on. This means the world to me. I really do, Mia. I mean that. Um, plans for the rest of the day. What are you doing? I think we're both golfing. <laughs> are you? What time? Yeah. Uh, I'm out at Brunello at like 4 o'clock. He's oh, probably man. a little yeah. later. New Ashburn, 4 o'clock. You guys are going to different courses? Yeah, well, I couldn't get into Ashburn. I, I uh, used to be a member when I was a junior, but then I turned to like a social member just because I oh, couldn't yeah. afford the membership when I aged out of it. and. I got a little bit of money, but I don't. Even, I don't think they took any new members this year, just because everyone's trying to golf around here. So I heard that about Ashburn. There's yeah. a bunch of people that were pissed because they did pay that like two thousand dollar fee every year, but then yeah. they stopped paying it, and then as soon as you stop paying it, you're out now. Yeah, I think it's. You, uh, I think it's like two hundred, but I had been paying it for like eight years. Oh, sorry, um, like eight years or something like that, and couldn't get me in. So hopefully next year. Bernal's unreal though. It is. It's so hard though. <laughs> it uh, is. If I was like a sick golfer, I'd love going out there, but like. The few drives that I do pound out to the middle of the fairway, it seems like it always bounces off, and I'm in the rough anyway. Man, so. don't use your driver then. I, we had a we had a pro I hate doing that. We though. had a pro golfer on here the other day, and I was like, "What's the key to being a pro golfer?" And he goes, uh, "What did he say, Mark? Shot, shot, shot management." Yeah. He's like, "If you use your shot management skills correctly, and if you know you're on a dog leg to the right, why are you using your driver? Right. Use your six iron, get it to the corner, and then get it on the green." I don't know. It's, I've I've tried to do that, and I'm getting better at it for sure. But I have no like I know some guys who like they don't even carry a driver in their bag, and to me that's like that's no fun. No, Let's, you got to use a driver. Your dog every once in a while, you know. Of course. Yeah. But um, no, that's awesome. Enjoy golf, guys. Once again, Thank I do you. appreciate you guys coming on. Enjoy your summer. When uh, when we're able to come down to the States here as a company, yeah. we're going to come down see you in New York and Colorado. and be awesome. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man, no worries. It. Everyone listening, thank you very much uh, for tuning in. Enjoy the summer. We're out. Peace. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the road. Tell me how long you gonna stay here, Joe. Some people say this town don't look good in snow. You don't care, I know. Ventura.
Yeah.